Hey, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans. Thank you for hanging out with us today. I hope uh, wherever you are in this amazing world that you're doing great, getting to spend some time with your mules, your horses, your donkeys. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Today I'm going to do a clinic debrief. We just finished up a another amazing clinic in Tropic, Utah. And uh, this clinic was held in conjunction with Bryce Canyon Mule Days, which is a ton of fun. If you've never been to Bryce Canyon Mule Days, I highly suggest it. You got to go. My good buddy McLean Meekum puts it on, as well as Sam Scaling. You've heard me talk about Sam quite a bit. He's married to Sky's cousin Hope and um, one of my best friends and uh, a dang good cook. And anyways, he puts on this, these two fellows put on this Mule Days and along with many other volunteers and helpers and whatnot. But, you know, you got to go down there come ride with me for three days in the clinic and then you get to go spend three days out on the trails beautiful country you're not going to find more more beautiful country to ride in may in utah it is just beautiful and uh and then you get to top it off with a mule sale hopefully you guys got a chance to listen to uh our episode with colby jines talking about chrome in the canyon mule sale it ended up being fantastic if you haven't seen the sale results, um, I don't have the exact numbers right here in front of me, but the average across the board on all 42 or 43 mules or whatever was over $17,000. It was a great sale, a lot of good mules, and uh, the buyers showed up. So that was pretty neat. I I watched it online. We, we left uh, Friday after the concert, Bren Hill and Andy Nelson who were just amazing. So it ended up being just a great event, but I'm going to do a debrief on this clinic and talk about uh, some of the things that come up, some of the things that happened, some of the things that we learned, you know, when I do these clinic debriefs, I'm just talking about what comes to my mind. There's so many pieces and parts to these clinics and, and there's so many instances of learning uh, that I should share, but I'm going to talk about the highlights. So the first thing that comes to mind for this clinic in Tropic was, and it kind of goes along with this mule cell that was there. Folks, you are not entitled to anything just because you spend 10, 20, 30, whatever thousand dollars on your mule does not entitle you to perfect behavior from them, okay? At the end of the day, they are still an equine, all right? They're still an animal that has their own ways of being and, and ways of acting and ways of thinking and, and whatnot. And just because you spend a whole bunch of money on them and just because you feed them the very best feed and just because you keep them in the very best barn and the best uh, ranchette neighborhood and, and, and whatever, doesn't mean that your meals should be perfect, okay? And, you know, I see it a lot of times, uh, you know, there's some great mule cells. And Chrome in the Canyon is another great mule cell, I think, going on to be a leading cell in the country for sure. But, you know, folks, you got to learn. You, you need to continually keep learning, keep getting better. Your mule will rise or fall to your level of understanding to your level of experience, to your level of knowledge about them. Okay. So 
just because you buy this amazing mule and it was so amazing from wherever you bought it and, and the best mule in the world at the time that you bought it. When you take it home, when you get to working on this mule, when you get to riding this mule, this mule is going to learn what you do and how you operate and, and, and your isms and ways of being. They're going to learn that and they're going to adapt to that. They will, the mule will always do what's easiest and what makes them feel the most comfortable. So if you make it easy for them to push through you and, you know, run you over to go get the hay, they're going to do it. If you make it easy to follow you and be with you and be part of your life and you make it easy to, you know, operate and, and you get along, well, they'll fall into that too. So I mentioned this because th there was actually a handful of people at our clinic here in Tropic that had, uh, you know, spent quite a bit on some mules and they, they had some good mules and I, and a lot of these mules actually, cause this is multiple people. I'm not just talking about one person. This is multiple people. I, I knew the majority of these mules when the person had bought them. So I saw what the mule was and could be and whatever. And these individuals were struggling with some of these mules. Okay. They're having a hard time. They're having some, some struggles. This is normal to have these struggles. And I also commend these individuals. This is fantastic that they came to a clinic so that they could be better, so that they could get along. And, and a few of them came up to me individually and said, you know, hey, we understand that, you know, the meal's great or whatever, but we don't know how to operate the darn thing. So we're not, we're not getting along here. All right. So that's where it begins. So good job to the handful of you that were there, you know, you got these new meals and you want to learn, you want to be the best you can be. But there was one little glitch that come up that I want to mention, because I think this is an important topic for all of you to learn, because most of you listening today didn't raise, train, and have your mule from the beginning to the end, um, just you. So they know just you. A, a lot of you, you know, you've uh, you've bought this mule at nine years old, ten years old. I'm just throwing ages out there, you guys. But this is the, this is what I see on average at my clinics. You know, you you've bought the mule at a mature age, and most of these mules that you've bought have had a multitude of of actually a multitude of owners. So you're not just it's not just you. So this mule has had to learn to adapt to multiple people. The other thing that's important to keep in mind is that you ride like you, no matter how much you, I mean, come to my clinics and you try to, you know, operate the way I do things, you're going to ride like you, you know, take my wife and I, for example, we, we have the same exact principles, the same philosophies, the same process, but we do ride different, you know, our, our positions and our, our, you know, we might generally speak of leg positions, but we all ride on our, on our own. All right. This is important. So there was, there was a, a couple there and they'd, they, they had some nice mules. I, I really liked the mules that they had. They're great mules from a, a very reputable 
uh, seller, um, great guy, good friend of mine, actually. And however, the instructions that I were, I was giving this couple was absolutely conflicting with the instructions and advice that they were getting from my friend, the seller, because, you know, you guys, we can be friends and, and ride different. You know that it's okay <laughs> to think differently and be friends. And, and this is the case here. So this was the problem is, is I'm telling them this. And then, then he's telling them that. And the problem is in the middle with the riders and the mules. What do you do? Well, that's what they asked me. What do I do? You're telling me this tie and he's telling me that. What do I do? Make a choice. What do you want to do? What's your end goal like? What do you what do you want to do? You don't have to ride like me. You don't have to ride like Kim. How about just ride like you? So you figure out what you want to do. Well, he the mules were trained this way. Well, doesn't look like it because <laughs> they were having all sorts of struggles. Um, I said, you you have to make a choice here. You have to kind of take charge. You need to step up and and help this mule learn who you are. So figure out what you want to do. Just make a choice. What do you want to do? How do you want to ride? You know, the stuff that I teach in my clinics is not the only way. There are many, many, many ways. And you find what fits you. For me, at this point in my life, it is the only way. It's the only way that I'm going to practice, the only way I'm going to ride. But you bet, if I come across something better, if if God puts something in my lap, that says, hey, try this, do this. If I have thoughts that come to my mind that say, hey, try this, do that. Um, if I if I meet somebody that has things going on and, you know, I am not afraid to change at all. In fact, I hope five years from now, you've all heard me say this, five years from now, I hope that I'm five years better. Okay, <clears throat> but I've made that choice. My mules, everything I work is is worked consistently. So I'm not trying to ride like anybody particularly. I'm not saying, well, okay, well, I saw this guy do this. So I'm going to ride this mule this way. Or if I buy a mule from somebody that rides a certain way, that's great. I appreciate that. But I'm going to work this mule how I want to work them because I've made that choice. But I'm confident enough, I'm consistent enough to know that's what I'm going to do. And it only takes a mule just a little while because I am setting it up constantly. Everything I do, I'm setting up that mule to be comfortable. You can get them to do anything you want as long as you make them comfortable while they do it. They'll do whatever you like as long as you make them comfortable doing that. So that's the key. So my answer was was like that to this couple. You know, you make a choice and then ride like you and be consistent. Whatever that is, whether it doesn't have to be what I do, it doesn't have to be what the other fellow does, but be consistent in whatever it is. The problem is going to come up where you say, well, well, my mule, well, I just bought this mule and, and they were rode in this bit. So I have to ride them in this bit. Well, that's the bit is just a signal device. It's just a tool to communicate with that animal. And yes, they do get familiar with bits. Absolutely. In fact, you want them to be familiar with the bit that you use. That's great. But it's not an end all just because 
they were riding that bit doesn't mean you have to ride in that bit. In fact, one of my goals is to get my mules to where I could ride them in anything, anything I can find around. If I found a piece of belling twine and that's all I could ride them with, or that's all I had to ride them with, I, I should be able to ride them with it. So it shouldn't be a stuck on something. Oh, well, they can only be rode in a snap a bit because that's all I've been, ever been rode in. Well, think about my progressions. You know, those of you that have been listening a long time, you know, I enjoy making bridle mules. So think about the changes there, right? I ride them three, three years, four years in a snaffle bit. And then I, and then I go to a hackamore for a year. That's all. And then I go to the two rain for a year. That's all. And then I'm in a bridle. So they have all these changes over a period of time. I'm refining and progressing and getting better. So just because I started them in a snap, but that's what I worked them with three or four years. That doesn't mean they have to stay in that. So keep, keep that in mind as you're working. So that's important. Um, but like I was saying, getting back to my point here is it just because you, you spent a lot of money on one mule or just because you, you, you've invested even a lot of time in your animal doesn't entirely get anything. The, the, that's a really cool thing. I really enjoy working with mules and donkeys and horses because of that is, is entitlement doesn't exist in their, in their mind. That doesn't, that's not something that, that is there. They're not entitled to anything. Neither are we. So I like that. The next thing I wanted to talk about was runaway mules. Okay. We had a couple of, we had a, 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 a pretty, well, it was a fair runaway in mulemanship one. And we had a, a fair runaway in the cow working. So I'm going to talk about the mulemanship one cow working and my buddy, Scott, I don't know if you're listening to this, but he did awesome. So give you a little background, Scott and his mule gypsy. So he buys this mule, I don't know, two months ago or something, three months ago. I can't remember. Um, he hadn't had it long and he was signed up to come ride in a clinic with me in Wickenburg. And, and he did come to the clinic, although he ended up doing foundation because, uh, a week or two before that clinic, um, he had, this mule had ran off with him and Scott come down and he busted his ribs. Okay. So he, He's, he's healing up from his busted ribs. In fact, he comes to the clinic pretty fresh off of busted ribs. And, and he did the foundation class, which kudos to him. He's amazing. He's tough. Um, okay. He's been healing since, trying to get better since. He comes to Tropic, and now he's, he's going to ride again. He's going to get back in the saddle. And he's been working. This guy's been doing his groundwork. He's been trying. He's been trying to get better and, and, and all that, trying to get this mule in a better frame of mind and, and get him, get the mule a little handier, get gypsy a little bit better. Okay. So he's back in the saddle. All right. Well, first day back in the saddle this is the first day of the clinic and tropic mulemanship one. And this mule runs off with him again. And cool thing is, is at least there in the clinic, I got my microphone on so he can hear me loud and clear. Although it may have sounded a bit jumbled up, you know, when your mule's running around with you, you got a lot going through your mind. And anyways, at first you could see Scott just trying to hang on. I'm sure he's having flashbacks when he busts his ribs. I'm sure he, he, you know, instantly you just go into survival mode and that is normal. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because you got to weather the storm. So 
you know, he he just he just hangs on and he's just trying to to live at that point. He's just trying to survive. I'm sure survival was the only thing on his mind. And I'm I'm yelling at him over the microphone. Ride that thing forward. Go. Lean forward and ride. Lean forward and ride. Go forward and ride. And I'm saying to basically trying to get him to flip the switch in his mind from hanging on to being forward and riding. It's such a difference in your body position and how you can handle the animal. It, it changes it. I don't know if you guys have listened to previous podcast episodes, but I talk about my one of one of the best mentors that I've had in my life. Definitely one of the top five was my amazing coach. Uh, when I was in college rodeo, his name was Louis Fields. And a lot of you that follow the rodeo world, you've heard me talk about Louis. And, uh, you know, he died of cancer a few years back now. But heck of an amazing man. And I learned so much from him. This guy was amazing at getting an animal to buck. I mean, there's nobody better, in my opinion, of, of as, you know, teaching teaching a rider, you know, a bronc rider, a bareback rider, to to be forward and, and to ride and to help the animal buck to the best of its ability. Okay. But I remember, I remember one practice he came to us and he said, all right, you guys gather up. And this is my freshman year. I'm brand new in college and, you know, trying to figure stuff out and trying to get better. And he comes to all of us and he says, okay, guys, I'm sick of seeing you guys just stay on. And we're like, huh? He's like, all you guys want to do is stay on. And, you know, we're a bunch of bronc riders. We're like, what is he talking about? Of course, aren't you supposed to stay on? Like, it wasn't clicking for most of us. Or maybe just me. I'm speaking for myself. It wasn't clicking. I'm like, stay on. We're supposed to stay on. What are you talking about, Louie? Right? And he's like, all you guys do is try to stay on. I want you guys to stop trying to stay on the things. I want you to start riding these things. Stop just trying to stay in the saddle. Start riding. Be forward. Move. Go. Try to ride it. Try to write it ahead of it. Be ahead of it, you know. And and he went on to talk about you know, you know, technique and riding and whatever. And I don't need to share that here on this podcast. But you know, the point is, is it's such a mindset difference. And that's what he was trying to teach us. Is it's a mindset difference from when you're just trying to stay on, or when you're trying to take charge and direct the situation, and be forward and ride. It's such a difference. And that's what he was trying to get us to do. He was trying to get forward and ride and direct the movement rather than just react to the movement. See, when you're just staying on, you're just reacting. And now you do need to react somewhat, but better than reacting is being being ahead, being preemptive, being forward, being directional. And that's what he was trying to get us. It's the same thing with, with this runway situation with Scott. You know, when, when that mule took off at first, he was just trying to stay on and he needed to, he needed to stay on first. I mean, you can't, you can't ride if you can't stay on. So that's definitely part of it. I'm not knocking on that. But as soon as he sat up and he, and he was riding, I said, make her run, go keep running because the mule's starting to fade a little bit. And this is a big, big walking mule. And, and most of you that have walking mules, you know, that they don't have a lot of longevity for loping. I mean, you know, if you got a dang good, you know, a, a pretty good size arena, I mean, shoot, you're going to have that walking meal burned up in five, six, seven laps, you know, to where they'll, you know, that initial 
fast bolting run, that'll burn off and you'll kind of get back into your little, a little lope. And that's what I was waiting for here with Scott. So at first his mule's running off with him pretty good, you know, and it only went around about one full lap and then he took charge and then he asked it to run. He kept it going. He took initiative and was forward. And that was, and that was key. So good job, Scott. And those of you that ever deal with a runaway, that mindset changes. I mean, I'm not talking about technique here. I'm not talking about physically what to do. I'm just telling you mentally, if all you do is make that change mentally saying, okay, I'm not just trying to stay on. I'm trying to ride this thing. I'm trying to, I want it to run, go. And you just change that in your mind and you ride forward. Such a shift, such a shift in, and you will see some success there. So we know we had another runaway in, in the cat working. This one was way less dramatic. My friend Donna Tillman. I don't know if you're listening to these, Donna, but hello if you are. So she she has a mule, George, and, and she's been dealing with George's runaway stuff on the ground for quite some time now. And you've all heard me talk about, you know, if they run away, whatever, whatever behavior issues you're dealing with on the ground, that's going to come about in the saddle. It's only a matter of time. So those of you that deal with a horse or a mule or a donkey that, you know, donkeys don't typically do this as much, but that, that bolts away on the ground where you're leading the darn thing. Well, you're going to, this is going to come out in the saddle. It's only a matter of time before they run off with you in the saddle. You know, that bolting is just a reaction to them, for them trying to flee the scene, trying to find comfort, trying to get out and, 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 you know, get away from that, that pressure that's applied and the pressure can be applied in any way. It can be applied. Just you being present might be too much pressure. Um, you know, what you're asking it to do might be too much pressure. It, the environment might be too much pressure, whatever. Okay. But the point is, is, you know, they, they want to get out. And Donna has been dealing with this on the ground for quite a while. You know, in the groundwork, she'll put a little pressure on, ask George, and he can't take it. And he flees the scene. And I've been talking about this with her for a long time, trying to get this tuned up. And she's made a lot of progress over the years. She has made a tremendous amount of progress for sure. But, but she is very hesitant to do her groundwork because she is still scared of losing him. So she does tiptoe around it. Um, she does let him get away with maybe not doing the movements quite as particularly as I would want the mule to because she's worried about losing him. Okay, now fast forward. Here we are, cow working. We're in a situation and there's, there's definitely pressure in cow working. I mean, it, it's a, you know, especially initially, it can be a bit stressful. So she's in there trying to cut some steers out and, and she's doing her work in the road ear, taking her turn in the road ear. And uh, you just see George get a little tight, a little tight. And Donna's riding him a little tight, a little tight. Next thing you know, boom, he bolts out of there. Now, it was pretty non-dramatic. And Donna is a really good rider too. She's not a, she's not a, a, uh, you know, she's definitely not a novice and, and she's, she's game. She's not too worried. So this mule takes off and, you know, if you didn't actually see the initial bolting away, then you, you wouldn't know that it was a runaway because then by the time she gets down the other end, the other end of the arena, she just loping around there. And I kind of made a joke over the microphone that she was doing her victory lap, you know, long before, you know, she actually got something done, you know, was kind of teasing her about it and everybody laughed and chuckled, no big deal. But, you know, 
it's the same thing that that mule does on the ground, you know, gets into a pressure situation when, where he's being asked particular questions, can't take it. Got to go, got to get out of there. And that's what happened. And, um, you know, she handled it perfectly. She just rode him forward, just like I was just talking about with Scott. She rode him. She was forward. She loped right around the arena, came back to the herd, and um, just kind of went right back into the into sorting the steers, and, and all was well. But that connection is important to be made. Whatever you're dealing with on the ground, be it you know a mule that bolts, okay, or 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 a mule that's pushy, um, whatever. That is going to come out in the saddle. That behavior translates. For me, my groundwork and my riding is, is nothing different. The only thing that changes is, is instead of me standing on the ground, leading them from the ground, I am now just on their back, leading them from their back. That's all that riding is for me. So the leading and the riding are totally one, totally go together, um, and need to be thought of that way, if you ask me. So that was our runaway experiences at the tropic clinic um you know that cow working was sure fun and and the the clinic and tropic was probably one of my favorite cow working times not because the cattle the cattle were roping cattle and not fun particularly to work i you know my favorite cows to to work in in a clinic setting would be yearling heifers uh like like you know like beef cattle yearling heifers um these were roping steers and they, you know, these Corianis are hotter bred and they, you know, on, on one hand, they don't respect the animals as much. They're, they're a little hotter. So they're a little more forward. Um, they test, they know how to test their boundaries for sure. Uh, on the other hand, they're really super flighty. So that's not as fun when you're trying to work. You, you want a little bit of flight, but you don't want them just to tear through and, and run off every time you put any type of pressure on them. And that's kind of what's, you know, what was happening there. But, you know, cow working will show you your weaknesses. If you guys have never done a cow working class with me, you got to come. It's, it's called intro to cow working. It's not advanced work. Um, we just have a heck of a lot of fun in this, this clinic. I don't think I've laughed so much because, you know, you just have to laugh or, or else you're going to cry because like these particular cows, they just put the whoop on us. And, um, you know, uh, most of the participants, you know, they're just new to this cow working and they're just trying to figure it out. And it's, it's not like, uh, and a lot of them were on colts too. So, uh, these cows were just putting the whoop on us and, and one after another, you know, we played different games. Uh, we worked in the road deer, which is my particularly my favorite is the roe deer work where basically we hold the herd in the middle of the arena and, and, uh, we make a circle around them and, and basically we go pull one steer out, out of the herd and we keep the steer between us as a rider and, and the, the outside boundary there, the riders around there. So, you know, while, while this is, this is all going on. You also have to hold the rest of the herd in, which is really challenging because any hole they see they they want to head back out and keep in mind too, these are open steers. So they're used to running to the other end of the arena every time they come out of a shoot. So anyhow, oh yeah, we got beat a lot of times steers trying to sneak out and it was just a heck of a lot of fun. And the participants, you know, made all the difference 
even though the stairs were whooping our butts, they just had smiles on and were so happy. And you've heard me talk about a few of these people before. And, and some of them have been on the podcast. You know, Jerry and Sid Myers, they were on the podcast here and I've talked about them. But a couple of the happiest people, you know, uh, you know, Mary Wareham, she was she had a good meal tucker and, and she was really trying and, and did just excellent. And, you know, I could name all of them. Uh, you know, Lisa Talk has been on the podcast before and, you know, she's always so happy. and um, she's been in the cow working classes a few times with me. So has Jerry and Sid and it's fun watching them progress. You know, the first time you do the cow working, it just, it, uh, <laughs> it can just be wild. It can, uh, yeah, it can, it can be a little wild for you and, and you learn. All right. I got to teach my mule to back up. I got to teach my mule to stop. I got to teach my mule to turn. Most importantly, I think all the participants in this clinic would agree with me. The most important thing your mule needs to know is how to go and how to go right now. Be able to jump out of your tracks and lope. And uh, anyways, I've got a few comments on that. But we're going to take a quick break right here to thank our sponsors. So hang tight and we'll be right back. Hey, I want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom-built saddle that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Saddlery. You find them on Facebook, Colt Saddlery, and uh, tell them Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Okay, I was just talking about our cow working class and um, talking about how the most important piece that you need to have some success working cattle is the ability to go and go right now. And that was kind of our glitch for all of us working in the cow working at Tropic was we couldn't go when we needed to go. And it, it's interesting how all these things, the better you can go, the better you can whoa. Remember, stopping is just a transition. So, you know, we, we talk about in the clinics, you'll hear me talking, particularly in mealmanship too, about how you need to hurry up and slow down. You know, hurry up and slow down. Um, or hurry up to slow down. And a, a lot of us kind of had some struggles getting them out of the tracks, getting our mules to jump out of there and go and getting them to stop quick, turn on their haunches and go again the other way. And, you know, particularly the road deer work, you know, all you really got to do, there's only a handful of moves. You, you got to go, you got to stop, you got to back up and turn. You know, that's j just a few basic pieces. And it's particularly the only turns you got to do is turns on the haunches. You don't, you, you shouldn't be turning on the forehand and you shouldn't be doing sweeping turns for sure. It should be just a turn on the haunches. And, uh, you know, these cows, they will show you what to work on. And, and, it was fun because everybody was happy to find that. And I talked about that in the beginning session of, of this cow working clinic. Hey, just so you know, you're all going to find something you need to work on. And you need to be happy when you find that stuff, not upset and disappointed. Because it's easy to get a little irritated or a little bothered, you know. But, uh, hey, th I'm glad I found that. You know, you need to have that attitude. Hey, yeah, I, I thought I was stopping pretty good, but apparently I don't stop so good. I need to work on that. Oh, I thought my mule could, could uh, you know, do canter departures great. Well, yeah, maybe they did during your dry work, but 
you realize that when you actually had to really jump out of your tracks and lope, that you're late, you know, when you're trying to keep up with the cow. So be happy. That's a great lesson to be, to be happy to find these things. You know, don't forget we're out here to have fun. You know, um, I know very, very few people that actually only ride for, for the money. There's a few I know that they, they ride for the money. And I think, you know, you can find some careers that can make a heck of a lot more money than you are riding that mule. Um, and they're not the happiest of folks, but 99.9 of us out there, we ride because we enjoy the mule. We enjoy the horse. We enjoy the donkey and it's fun. Don't forget why you got into it is to have some fun is to have a good time. And and you should enjoy the journey of making progress. Enjoy the journey of trying to get better. Enjoy the journey of finding things to work on. So, you know, when you're in the cow working class and you realize that you can't stop and you you can't do canter departures and you can't turn on the haunches and the cows are beating you and you thought you were doing so good, it's okay. Take note of those things you need to work on and go back and apply them and work at it and try to get better where, where you can just practice and then try the cows again. Um, the cows will humble you. They don't care who you are. They don't care. You know, I, I love working with cows because, and the same thing with mules, because it doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how nice your house is. It doesn't matter what color you are. Uh, it doesn't matter how old or young you are. They don't care. They don't care. And it's so cool. I, I really enjoy that um, because they take you right there at face value. What you got, what you got today, you know, uh, what do you know today? You know, how quick are you today? And that's all, you know, when you're working with these cows, that's what, what matters. Um, and it's kind of fun. It's fun. They're a great equalizer. They're great humblers. So, you know, if you've never worked with cows, if you've been to my clinics and have never done a cow working clinic, let's do one. Come, come ride with me and we will have a great time laughing about all the things that we need to be better at doing. We'll take note and we'll work at it. So it's important to laugh. It's important to laugh. It's important to, to laugh at your mistakes. Uh, and I'm not saying just to blow off the mistakes and, and not think about them. Uh, laugh and learn. Laugh and learn. So, you know, Tropic uh, Utah and Bryce Canyon Mule Days is a great time. I, I really enjoyed my time down there. You know, we had two sold out classes. Um, great people there. You know, we had quite a few people watching and spectating, and that's great too. And uh, I just want to give another shout out to Bryce Canyon Mule Days. If you've never been, you got to go. You've got to go. You know, the last topic that I want to discuss um, on our debrief here. Um, you know, like I said, for this debrief, I just kind of take some notes, things that come up in the clinic that um, are, are good learning moments. That's kind of what I talk about. And that's why these are all so different. Um, same same clinics, you know, uh, as far as the same classes we're teaching, a lot of the same stuff, we, you know, go from, you know, every week teaching the same thing over and over again. But the cool thing about what I do is it's different every week in the people and what they need help with. But there was quite the... Um, this come up a lot, body position. So how you sit 
how you communicate with your mule through your seat, um, shifting your weight, moving your weight, moving your upper body and your lower body. Uh, body position uh, makes such a difference in the performance. Position makes performance for sure um, when you're riding these mules. So one particular thing that quite a few people had some struggles with and I had to mention a few times and I finally made the joke. I said, you know, you, you guys are in here. You, you look like you're riding motorcycles, not mules. Because a lot of times in the turns, so picture just any turn. You can picture a turn on the haunches or the forehand or a sweeping turn. A lot of times people want to lean inside the well or in, inside the circle. Okay. Let's, let's narrow it down to give you a better picture. Let's narrow it down to turning on the haunches. Okay. So you're trying to get the mule to shift its weight to the haunches. Balance back there. And you're trying to get them to move that front end one way or the other. Let's say you're trying to move that front end to the left and keep the mule on the haunches, okay? Well, this was happening quite often. People would lean to their left, so they're dropping their shoulder down, and they're, and they're leaning that way. Now, what, where are we trying to get the mule's front end to go again? We're trying to get it to go to the left, but here we are leaning on it. So that's like me coming to standing on your toe, your left toe, your left foot, and saying, hey, pick up that left foot. And they'd say, well, geez, man, if you'd if you'd stop standing on that foot, I'd pick it up. And I said, no, you got to pick it up. Well, I can't pick it up. You're leaning on it. Pick it up. Pretty soon they get a little irritated. And this is also what happens with the mules at times is we, we will lean our body weight and we'll stand on a foot and we want to move a foot. So just being aware and being conscious of of how our body position is affecting the mule will make a huge difference. So you got to be aware. Okay, I want to move that left front foot. I want it to pick up and I want it to reach over there to the left. Well, okay, common sense says get off of that foot. Don't stand on that foot. Don't put your weight on that foot. I might teeter back and kind of sit on my right seat bone as I'm trying to move that front left leg to the left. Okay. So body position makes a big difference. And, and it can be uh, even in trying to, okay, let's say you're trying to turn on the forehand. So you're trying to move the haunches. So say you're trying to move your hindquarters, the mule's hindquarters, to, your, to the left. Okay, from right to the left. Okay. Well, I see a lot of people leaning back in the saddle. They'll lean back and they're sitting on that right hind leg that they're trying to engage. They're sitting on it. And if they would just shift their weight forward a little bit, why that hind end would be loosened up, would be freed up. It could move. So this body position came up quite a bit with different, you know, with different individuals. I mean, uh, quite a majority were working on this. And, and I guess it's just because I highlighted it, you know, and because a few of them were having a, di a big difficulty, it kind of put, and that's kind of what happens. You know, there'll be a handful of people having some issues and then it kind of magnifies that problem or makes me magnify in on it. And I start noticing everybody. And was, all right, you need to fix up that, do this, do that. But, you know, a few comments I got was, we're on this body position. Like, all I did was just shift in my saddle and the mule figured it out. I'm like, that's right. That's all it takes. So your mules are communicating to you. So a lot of times, the other thing I see too, and it's just the example I shared a moment ago when I'm saying, hey, if you get off my foot, I'd pick it up. 
well, this happens with the mules. And they're saying the same thing in their minds. Well, geez, man, if you just stop leaning on my leg, I could pick that foot up. And we don't. And we don't change our body positions. We don't accommodate the mule. And then we wonder how come they're getting crabby when we ask them to do something. How come their ears are pinned back when we're asking them to do something? How come they get a little frustrated when I ask them to do something? So you consider consider those things. And that's just one thing. Body position, the way you sit in your saddle is just one piece of the puzzle. It's not, I'm not saying that that's going to cure your problems, but it, it'll dang sure help you in the right direction. Anyways, that kind of covers my tropic clinic debrief. You know, we had a great time. We had so many amazing people, um, a lot of great animals. You know, it was all mules and donkeys here. Didn't have any horses uh, in the clinic. A um, couple of couple of cool little donkeys that were there. Stormtrooper and Aldine. I thought that was a cool name for a donkey, Stormtrooper. Anyways, uh, but everybody else was, you know, everything else was mules and uh, a lot of really good animals. And it was fun to watch these people too. It, you know, usually I do a clinic and then we head out and you guys head out and we're on to the next one. But being able to hang out for a couple extra days and watching everybody just ride around. And then I went on a ride with some of these folks and, you know, watching people actually apply the stuff out on the trail that was really a fulfillment for me um you know because i always wonder i'm like i i show these people and we work on things and do they really go home and practice do they really want to get better do they really try and and I'll, and a lot of people will you know maybe they'll use a you know they'll come to class and they're using some good gear because i'm there and then i see them post on facebook and they've changed back to something I wouldn't recommend, you know, or wouldn't, wouldn't want them to use. And, you know, so it was fun to hang out there and actually see people, you know, they rode in the clinic, they worked hard in the clinic, and then they continued it out on the trail. They actually applied it. And that's the thing with any type of education, you can learn about it. You can come to the clinics and get some help. You can read books and you can watch, you know, like my video library, you can watch that all day. But you know what? You got to get out there. You got to apply it. You got to do it. You got to practice it. And you got to do it all the time. So anyways, hey, thank you for tuning in today and listening to another episode of the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My advice to you today is to remember that you're not entitled to your mule's behavior. To treat them the way you want to be treated and to be aware of how your body position, the way you sit, the way you are, be aware of the way you are and how that affects your mule. But I appreciate you guys tuning in today. If it's not too much to ask, I would be so grateful if you would leave a review. Um, let me know what you think of this podcast. Leave me your comments, your questions. Um, and if you think we're worth it, leave a five-star rating. But uh, anyways, God bless you. And we will see you down the road.